by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Woo! Well, wasn't that a game? Wasn't that a game? Wasn't that a game? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I am your host, Avery Lewis McDougall, the man with the hat, the man with the good wardrobe, the man who's always clean, and I'm joined by an ever-dashing, an ever-elegant, and well, he's smartest man in hockey. He's a scout for smart. Ho- he's a scout for smart hockey. He is also a volunteer for Black Girl Hockey Club, and he is a co-host of the Third Intermission Podcast. It is the one, the only Sebastian Jackson, buddy. How you doing, Sebastian? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Game Over Edmonton, bud. No, oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well out there too. <laughs> of course, of course. It's a pleasure to have you on here and talk about the Oilers. 5-4 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. You know, that was a game in which, you know what? Let's be honest. Edmonton, yes, has won three in a row. They're on a bit of a run right now, but this should have been a 6-2, 7-2 game. This should not have ended 5-4, Sebastian. No, they really uh, took their foot off the gas here. Um, this was a game that they had full control over and every metric. Um they were getting the saves that they needed. They were getting the defense they needed. Um, we'll talk about the offense, but yeah, they uh, they let the foot they let their foot off the gas and almost paid the price. That's right, they did. And it was a game in which you know this is a game in which you go on the road against Chicago and you have to find a way to get two points. Mentioned, I'll, I'll give I will give them credit though. Some guys zips up up in the form of a few guys I want to touch on. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, even with the penalties, he did score tonight. Yes, he pulled and Zach Hyman. I'll start with Zach Hyman. He is someone who you've seen a lot of him out in Ontario, in Toronto. He is someone who, with the Leafs, we've known for a very long time, gets to the net, hard-nosed player. And he showed it right here again. When he gets to the front of the net, Sebastian, he is a very dangerous player for his roster. Yeah, he he works incredibly hard. And, you know, he's what you everything you want in a hockey player he can contribute on the score sheets uh even when he's not contributing on the score sheet he's always giving it 110 percent in all three zones and and it's it's just every team would die to have a zach hyman on their team no they really wouldn't he was someone who produced points he got to the front of the net he was a key calling the oilers um top six and and this is a team in which of course mcdavid and drysdale got their points but i've said it before on this show the elite teams in the NHL aren't just two-men shows. It isn't just two players. And he is someone who can be that third scoring option, which Edmonton has lacked for a very long time. He's proven he proved it last year he can be that guy. And showing once again he can be that third scoring option if, say, for example, it were to be an off night for either McDavid or a dry sidle. Yeah, and that's you can you can expect that from from a Zach Hyman because you know, I, I know that he's produced pretty well often on the score sheet this year um there's going to be some regression in the points there he's 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 not a point of game player but you know even in the games that he's not you know scoring or chipping in on the assist sheet um you know he's he's finding ways to make a difference and and yeah you know what he is somebody that you can call upon in the in that secondary uh you know behind behind leon and uh connor you know, with 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 Nuge and and Hyman, those are guys that you can call on in a secondary if if teams are really dumb, doubling down on on your top scores. No, it's true. And in this game, of course, other than his name, who um, played a really great game, didn't score tonight, but he was someone where he chipped in with an assist. 
and he was active physically, he was active defensively, and it's someone who just gets so much, like, when you say his name, it's so divisive, it's Jesse Pugliarvi, someone who I have gone to bat for many times for the Hockey News, for Yahoo Sports, and he showed in this game that there is a place for him on this roster, and he is someone where, Sebastian, I really don't think he is someone you can give up on. He has had four assists in eight games, and much like Zach Hyman, if he isn't scoring, Izzy Puligarvi does find a way to get involved in a game, even if he's not on the score sheet uh, scoring-wise. Yeah, and that's that's where you need to have, um, you know, it pays to have an analytics department because, you know, he, he has become kind of an unfair target um, because he doesn't show up on the score sheet. And, and, you know, with where he was drafted, I think, you know, you, you, you definitely want more points out of out of a player who is picked in, in that spot on your roster. But at the same time, you know, he's somebody that does a lot of good, um, you know, with even with the puck on his stick, if he's not contributing on the score sheet, which is kind of being a theme of what I'm talking about here. Um, you know, he does, he does a lot of things great. And, and, you know, he's, he's not quite like a Zach Hyman, but he's somebody who does work hard every shift. And, you know, when things aren't going right for him offensively, you still find, you know, certain parts of his game that you're like, wow, he really stepped up there. Um, no, he's he's a perfect player, and, and the offense will come eventually. I think, you know, he's had kind of an unnatural, I suppose, uh, route to the NHL, and, you know, it hasn't always come easy for him. But uh, the points will come, but, you know, he's he's always working hard. And you just, you notice the small things that he does. No, it's true. He does do a lot of small things really well on this roster. And you mentioned the hard work. Like, he is someone where, he is someone where he doesn't give up. And people have always said to me, you know, oh, he's, people have said, you know, on Twitter, people have suggested to trade. But my question has always been, what are you trading him for? Like, what are you going to trade him for? That is, he's a player in which you can't lose a trade for Polygraph. He's not the kind of player you trade for a draft pick or a, bottom six player you need some value back to if you're gonna deal him which they should not do sebastian no they they really shouldn't and and the, the problem is you know with with, with a player like Jesse, um you know certainly he it's not out of the realm of possibility that he would have more success elsewhere um especially when it comes to his personal statistics but you know at, at some point you got to kind of stop with the lateral moves and you gotta stop with the the moving assets in and out, and you just gotta invest properly in your development. And you know, if there's a consistent theme, you know, where these players aren't being developed properly, it's very easy for fans to look at at him and be like, "Hey, you know what? He's kind of a bust because his numbers aren't there." But you know, how many players in the last you know ten, twelve, fourteen years in Edmonton uh, have you know, have had similar, similar numbers, similar amount of games that he's played. So, you know, eventually you got to stop and you just got to properly invest in your, in your development staff and trust your coaches. And, you know, part of it also comes, you know, where, you know, maybe he's better served down the lineup, but you know, one thing I'm sure we'll touch on is, you know, Ken Holland hasn't necessarily built a roster that's that, that, you know, all four lines are clicking and, you know, there's just, 
18 guys sharing equal success. It, it just hasn't been there yet. No, it hasn't. And going into the chat room now, just seeing some of the comments here, Sebastian, I see MGD8862 saying how the Oilers can't just have a completely dominant game. And that's a theme that has happened way too much with this roster. I mean, good things in certain aspects. You know, I, I like the game also too of James Hamblin, Matthias Janmark, but the elite teams find a way to have a complete game night in, night out. And they're not chasing the game to an extent. They're not having those um, second-half lapses. And Edmonton has had few and far between nights where you can say, wow, that was a solid 60-minute effort. They've had a lot of good 40-minute efforts. They've had a lot of good 3-minute three three efforts. But they've not had a ton of efforts for a full 60 minutes of bash. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest. You know, I watch I watch a lot of a lot of Oilers hockey because it's fun. You know, it's it's always it always seems entertaining. And I look at you know all the Oilers teams that I've watched, and you know this might be a take because I think fans last year were really starved for the Calgary Edmonton playoff series, but I believe it was sixteen seventeen. Uh, when they made the playoffs and made the second round, I found I found that team a lot more more entertaining to watch. There was more more of an effort on a on a consistent basis. You know, they were playing a full sixty uh, more often, and like I, I've come to the conclusion. And, and keep in mind, I'm a big Jay Woodcroft guy. Um, I think that he's going to have success in Edmonton eventually, um, and I think he's going to be the face him and Sheldon Keefe are going to be the face of you know the next wave of of high level hockey coaches that are going to wave through the NHL um the the one of the biggest differences I'm seeing in 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 this team last year and that 16-17 team was that 16-17 team the coach knew how to you know maximize his effort of all four lines and he knew how to coach the bottom six, and I'm not suggesting that Jay Woodcroft doesn't know how, but because um, you know that does come, you know maybe it's not the right mix of players, and that's on management for sure. But you know when you look at that 16-17 roster in the playoffs, you know it wasn't top heavy with with McDavid and and Drysaitel. They contributed. But you go down, and it was effort from everybody, top to bottom. Everybody was contributing on the score sheet, and that's not something that we've seen in Edmonton since. And again, it's it's you know the mix of players that are getting brought in to, to be bottom six guys. But you know, it's it just hasn't worked for a while, and it's it's going to be hard to get a sixty minute effort in if you can't trust your your second or your third or sorry, not your second, your third or fourth line, and. You know, you become too reliant on your top six that, you know, you're you're living and dying by them and just not living to, living enough on a consistent basis. No, I totally agree with that. And looking at this roster, I know you probably you probably saw a few weeks ago, a few days ago, that was were linked to um a Ryan Reeves deal before he went to Minnesota. I'm thinking to myself, like, Ryan Reeves five, six years ago, okay, I have time for. It. But Ryan Reeves now where he's clearly been a step too slow. And he's been scratched by the Rangers. Like, that's not a guy you need for your bottom six. I'm not, I'm not sure why Ken was investing there. Because a Ryan Reason 2022 is not an asset you need to acquire for this roster. Ryan Reeves at League Men. Because here's the thing. Like, I agree. 
a hundred percent. And and I love I love Ryan Reeves and you know, it actually kind of breaks my heart a little that we're probably closer to a retirement than him ever <laughs> you true. know, being being any type of contributor on an on an NHL roster. Um but you know, he's played seven hundred games and he's clearly beloved around the league. He is though. That's one thing I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the problem is is there's not enough skill to justify spending I think he makes one point seven million. And that's not the kind of player that you give up any type of asset for. Not even not even a seventh, and that's not a shot at Ryan. It's just you know, if you're a cap team, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the players around the league that you that you could have had and, and look, I get it. You know, he plays a role and he plays it well and and you know, m- maybe in in a world where he does go to Edmonton, you know, you might be getting more contribution from a a, a McLeod or or you know, and any other you know prospects that was fairly touted in in your in your bottom six there, you might be getting, and that's not a shot at Ryan McLeod. Um, but you know, maybe it gives them a little smack in the butt because you don't want your roster spot being taken by a guy who is going to put up, you know, two, three assists in 30 games if you're lucky. Um, there's just, there's so many better players around the league. And like, this is the problem too, is, is Edmonton, I think the allure of playing with McDavid might not be out there anymore because and obviously players have to want to come to Edmonton. And look, I love the city of Edmonton. Um, you know, if I was if I was an NHL player in a perfect world, it's one of the first places I'm going because I love the blistering cold. Um <laughs> and the fans are great and the arena is unreal. Um the city is just so so awesome, but you know, the I th- it should have been easier to to be able to convince those league men, you know, one year deal players that you see hovering around NHL training camps, the Evan Rodriguez, the the Sonny Milano's, the you know, the Zach Aston Reese's. Like there's you know, there's there's an unlimited amount of names that we can go on about where, you know, they might not be any better than what Edmonton currently has in their bottom six, but you know, I, I tend to believe that there is a bottom six out there that they could have built, you know, around training camp that might be better than what they have now. And I just, I think that allure of playing with McDavid is gone. I, I, I don't know what they can do. It's it's tough. I I, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel for them. I, I absolutely feel for them. Yeah, it's it's tough because you gotta you can't you can't just keep relying on on Connor and Leon night in night out and and Nugent Hopkins who by the way, you know, time is fake. Who's apparently on his thirteenth NHL season, I think, or twelfth. Yeah, twelfth season. Yeah, and he he's only he's only twenty nine. He's my age. Yeah, it's <laughs> I I, rem, I I still remember him from his from his uh, CHL days. It's it's nuts. Um. You know, he, he's come in and he and he's done a fine job too. And you know, he he's taken some pressure because he's been there for a long time. Um, but yeah, they just it's it's 
I think Woodcroft has an impossible job of trying to get contributions out of his bottom six because I just don't think that the personnel that they have now and have had last year, you know, really matches that that bottom six that they had in in sixteen seventeen. But you know, when you when you have the two best players in in the world on your first line, it's what can you do? <laughs> right. No, I hear it, but I I think now is the great chance now for guys um, like James Hamblin. And like until Benson now to show, hey, we're we're here now. We're called up. This is our this is their chance to take advantage. And James Hamblin, he's shown in the he's played a couple of games where James Hamblin has showed some promise now. And also Dylan Holloway, another guy who I really want to see improve. So I think those three now, as either depth forwards or guys who can possibly get up to through a second line, this is a chance for those guys to show, hey, I'm called up for a reason, and here's my chance now to hopefully stick with this roster long term. Yeah, there's. There's all the thing is in Edmonton. There's always an opportunity because they're they're so heavily invested in in the top six that you know they they do got to make sure that there's somebody coming through their system every year that's that's ready for the NHL and can contribute in some way, whether that's you know on the score sheet or, or killing penalties or you know uh, just any kind of combination of hey, what do you bring to the table? Um, so there's always going to be that opportunity. And I think that, I think that the way they've drafted over the past few years too, I think that there's, you know, cer- there's certainly help on the way, but you know, when you're this deep, it's weird saying deep cause they're, so, they're still very young, but when you're this deep into Leon's career and Connor's career, and I know People don't like to have that conversation of players leaving, and we don't necessarily have to have that conversation because I think those guys will be Edmonton Oilers for, you know, a long time. You know, I, I don't see them going anywhere, but, you know, when you start to to get up there in age and you start to wonder, hey, did we, what could we have done differently five seasons ago or what could we do differently? Like, you know, there's a clock for everything. And I think, uh, I think that I, I think that they'll figure it out. I think I think that, you know, Jay Woodcroft is an excellent coach. I think that, you know, there's some pieces coming through the system, but it, it it's hard right now because they need contributions now. This isn't uh, you know, hey, let's wait and see what we got next year, the year after. You can't you're at the point where you can't waste these players' career. I do think you know and I mentioned in chat, you know, there have been injuries to um Yamamoto and Kane, those are two guys, those are two big assets that are out of lineup for quite some, for quite some time now. Kane's going to be back for another three months. Yamamoto is, Woodcroft said himself, Yamamoto is more day-to-day than week-to-week. But still, having those two guys out of your lineup, that's a big hurt for both for the top six on those guys on the shelf right now. Yeah, and, you know, I think if, I think people I think people might want to lower their, their expectations for Evander to fill the net. You know, he's... He's an excellent hockey player, um, and you know I I would actually put him at like a borderline, not quite a generational talent, but if you look at the trajectory of his career, he's certainly in that conversation of you know being you know a step below. Um, I don't think that he's going to be the forty goal scorer that a lot of Oilers fans thought he would be coming into the season because you know he did have a hot playoffs, did, and yes. you know there is something about. You know, he was on, I don't know how many teams were, were you know, going to be able to sign him last year, but, you know, it, 
was pretty close to a, you know, hey, like this might be like a last opportunity. Um, and you know, it was a contract year for him. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, of course, he I think he played uh, above what he normally would, but um, I think. I think he's not going to be that 40 goal guy that, that a lot of Oilers think, especially now with the injury, but you know, excellent hockey player. That is a hole in your lineup and Yamamoto too. Like, you know, there was a small investment, you know, from him saying, Hey, from the team that said, Hey, look, like we don't think you're there yet, but we still believe in you. Here's, here's a nice little, his nice little raise. Um, and he's a firecracker too. Uh, I I remember watching games last year, um, and you know he's he's somebody that can get under the skin of 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 other uh, of other teams, and you know once once he's healthy, the ability to add him to a to a third line, it it does start to you do start to see that bottom six come together. But yeah, he's excellent player, big holes in the lineup, and you know there again, you know with with this being I think years eight and year seven of Leon and McDavid or year eight and year nine, you know, you can't, you can't waste any time and you can't also sit back and have that mindset of, Oh, when we get these guys back healthy, it's almost like a trade, but not really like you can't, you can't have that mindset. You got to go out and you still got to find ways to improve because without those two guys in your lineup, you shouldn't be hovering, you know, any, any lower than they were, uh, pre, pre New York Rangers game, like there was that was that was looking a little sloppy, uh, and you know they figured it out. But it's you you the team overall should be able to step up and handle those two as a loss, and and it's clear that they didn't. No, they didn't. They know they're gonna have to figure it out in this. They're gonna have to they're gonna sort that out more in this division as the season goes on. But before we continue, Sebastian. I got to keep sports interaction happy for one second. <laughs> think, think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with sports interaction. Whether it's the World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, sports interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see, and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Sebastian, before we wrap things up, before the Zoom chat cuts us off here, I did talk to you about the fact that, you know, I mentioned off the top, you've been a volunteer for Black Girl Hockey Club, and you're also a co-host for the Third Intermission Podcast. So what are the men to be a massive face in Black hockey circle of we sit here as two faces in black hockey media. It wasn't meant to be a part of Black Girl Hockey Club, but of course, be part of our our chaos that is third intermission, a show founded by our dear leader, one Mr. Dave Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to do the the things that I, I've been able to do. And you know, the road to be able to do those, you know, hurt because I, I kind of came into these positions because of the racism and the abuse and the bullying that I put up with. But, you know, I I joined uh, Black Row Hockey Club as a volunteer and Renee is 
you know, she's just one of the most amazing people in the world and future NHL Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, we love it. We did the uh, Get Uncomfortable Pledge and it was it was a massive uh it's been massive and and well received and you know we're always we're always doing something we're in canada now but you know but what we're trying to do is is empower uh black women in hockey and and give them voice and create opportunities and scholarships for for young girls and uh just you know try and make this a more inclusive and diverse environment and i think so far we're doing a pretty good job and and it's the same thing with with Dave um, and the third intermission podcast, you know, when I was, I had talked to him a little before uh, uh, I was in the hospital for a while. And then when I got out, it kind of made me realize, all right, I'm, you know, I need to start doing more things with, with people that look like me to, to, you know, to make, to make our voices louder. Yes. And, you know, I joined, I joined Toronto third and, and we've got an amazing team. Um, you know, we got uh we got a lot of uh a lot of great great people who uh stylistically are very handsome and pretty <laughs> um but uh no i love it you know we we got a new episode coming and or it might be out now and we got a new episode coming next week so it's 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 good yeah, no, it's it's been a blast. And you mentioned, like, yeah, third edition. We've had on. We started a year having on David Amber. We've had Joe Rock on, and that show is going to only keep growing and growing and growing. And the Working Black Girl Hockey Club, you know, it's so amazing to see them now have a division in Canada because you you've been a part of what you you've been working with that with Renee, and then of course Erin Marsha Joseph. She's been a part of it, and Sora Tinker. She's been the lead for that. And just to see black women have a place in hockey in America and this country even more so it's so great to see and this is this is the real work that shows that hockey truly is for people who are of color of marginalized backgrounds and that the sport really has a truly diverse background of people who love this game yeah and you know I didn't it really didn't hit me how many um BIPOC and and women of color like this game until I joined uh, a black girl hockey club because, you know, you really only see what's in front of you. And, you know, I cheer for, for, for you know, a, a team with a fairly diverse uh, uh, fan base. But, you know, it, it was still hard to, at the time, to see fans that look like me or, you know, look like you. It was, it felt lonely. But once I joined that, it was, it was great. We all connected well. We're a lot of us are friends, and you know we try and keep in touch as often as we can, and always sending each other, you know, positive messages. And you know, it's it's a it's a group of love. No, it it truly is, and you know, I'm I'm glad that there have been times where we've been able to meet up. I know we all have not met up yet on the podcast. I know I met Dave uh, during TIFF. I met Troy during TIFF. But you know what? Hey, I I think it's amazing, and even. And even to bring you on here for on to SDPN. SDPN is a show that they're a very diverse network. We've got a lot of hosts from so many different backgrounds. And I just love the fact that Steve and Jesse and Adam have made sure that SDPN truly reflects what the hockey landscape looks like. You know, for for me watching watching some of you guys do this, it goes a little deeper. And the part that I appreciate, and don't get me wrong, I I've shown my appreciation for for Steve and, and, and Adam, I've, I've respected them and, 
you know, even previous producers that they've had on 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 the podcast too, loved them all. But you know, for me, um, you know, I'm a descendant of, of slaves, and and we settled in North Bucks in Ontario, um, many many years ago. My grand, my great grandpa was the first black man to operate a radio in Canada, and he used to operate radios uh, two ways, fix them. He taught at a broadcasting school in 1925, and you know, it didn't hit me, but I'm watching some of the work that he does or that he did because I never met him. I'm watching some of the work that he did and worked towards. I'm watching you and and I'm watching Julian McKenzie and I'm watching Jesse Blake carry down a legacy that, you know, he started. So to me, everything that goes on here is a little it's a lot deeper. And I appreciate that. Wow. You know, I, I appreciate that. And those are. Very kind, very kind work, Sebastian. And you've done so much great work with smart scout, smart scouting, and so like the hockey world is better when people are like you are here, when there are people like Julian are around, uh, Jesse, Steve, Adam. These are the people that are going to shape the hockey world for the next 15, 20, 25, 30 years, even when we're long gone. These are people who are going to be living behind a legacy in the sport. So, anyways. I want to thank you, Sebastian, for coming on Game Over. Edmonton was a blast to have you on. And for those of you who like the podcast, please like, subscribe, and share to the SVPN channel. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your frenemies. And with that, I'm Haver Lewis McDougal. Talk to you guys next time. We're gone. Orlers win 5-4. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.